Hey, so we're continuing in our series through the book of Romans. We started before Easter. We're going through the entire book through the end of August. And in the middle, we're doing this series called That All May Be Saved. And we're studying chapters 9 through 11 right now is what we're in. And today we're doing the first half of chapter 11 as we kind of wrap up this one. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll do the second half of chapter 11. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Now, if you're watching this, you're thinking, well, where's Pastor Tim? He's just on screen. And yes, I am. I'm actually on vacation. And, uh, and sometimes we do this video teaching for a couple of reasons. One, it's to help our staff have some breathing room because last week um, the Franks family, Pastor Jim, Isaac, their whole family was on vacation and they got home yesterday. And this weekend through next week, our family's on vacation. And so we're just, this is how it's going to go. So this morning, if it's your first time, this isn't normal, but that's okay. You are still going to have a good time. You're still going to learn. And even though it's on video, you guys can respond and, and react and read the verses with me and, and, uh, and yeah, just pretend we're all together because we are all, all together in this, okay? So in this series, you know, we want to provide tools for you. If you're new here at New Hope, uh, we study through books of the Bible. We want you to understand the Bible. We want to make God's Word make sense. And, uh, and a part of that is our series guide that we give for you so that you have a tool to get into God's Word on your own throughout the week. So if you haven't grabbed one of those, feel free to grab one on your way out at the table. It's on our website. It's on our app. Um, and you can find out a way to spend quiet time with God. We call it the SOAP method. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. God wants to hear from you, and he wants to talk to you as well. And then on the back, you'll see the verses that you'll read leading up to the Sunday that we teach on them. So you're kind of cheating before the sermon, right? You get to read ahead and, uh, and, and let God speak to you as you go through that together. So grab one of those. And on the bottom, you'll always see these memory verses because we want to provide... Um, scriptures for you to hide in your heart, right? To put in your mind. So it moves from your head to your heart, from your heart to your hands, that you do something with it. And so this, um, this one, we're switching to the next memory verse, Romans 11, verse 36. <clears throat> now this one, this is like a proclamation. It's, it's a reminder of who God is and what he's going to get in the end. Honestly, he's going to get all the glory in the end. And, and so we want to read this out loud together. This is the memory verse. So everybody ready? If you are? Okay, here we go. Everybody read it out loud with me. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good proclamation for us to understand. God is the beginning. He's the present. He's the end. God is. So he gets all the glory. And, uh, and you're going to read that by the time we get done with chapter 11. That is where he, where Paul is, he's writing to the church in Rome. That's where he ends chapter 11 with that proclamation. To God be all the glory. Amen. Now chapters 9, 10, 11, like we've been talking about, we've been talking about the history in chapter 9, the history of Israel, God's chosen people, his nation, from the Old Testament back to Abraham. Then we talked about their present, right, where they are currently. And unfortunately, that's Israel's rejection of the Messiah. And now we're talking about where they're going to be in the future in chapter 11. And what is God's bigger plan for that? And we're going to start to unpack that a little bit today. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to read just a f the first six verses of chapter 11 together. So if you have um, your Bible, I would encourage you open to the book of Romans. If you don't have a Bible, you go grab one. They're free at the back behind that wall. Um, we have free Bibles. Put your name in it, or you can download an app. 
But I want to read Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and let's all stand together as we read God's Word. That's what we do here at New Hope when we read the first passage of the sermon. To honor God's Word, we want to stand as we read it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, so this, is, this is what I'm reading. Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and I'm reading from the NIV, and you can read along in your own copy of the scriptures that you have. Again, this is Paul talking to the church in Rome. He says this, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people who he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. God, we know your word is truth. And we know that you want to speak to us right now this morning. You have a word for each and every single one of us this morning. And I'm praying, would you open our hearts, open our minds? The Holy Spirit, would you help us receive what you want to say as we dig deep into your word today? And we just ask this in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Awesome, awesome. You guys can have a seat. We talked about this one, right, a little bit last week. That, um, that, that story about Elijah that he ran for fear, um, and he thought he was the last one, and God was like, you're not the last one. I actually chose a remnant, right? There were 7,000 prophets that he had hid away while Israel rebelled against God, right? And, and, and so this is what we learned. We wrote this down. You can fill in the blanks on your worship program, but this is what we learned, that even though a majority reject God's salvation, there is always a remnant who accept it. We're talking about Israel, God's nation, the Jews, all throughout the Old Testament, they kept going through this cycle of like, we want to be with God, and then they rejected God and his law, and then they came back to God, and, and just they kept doing it over and over and over again. And at present, a majority of the Jews reject Jesus as their Messiah, and it's just a remnant, a minority. And I share with you uh, last week that there are 16 million Jews on the planet right now, and only 350,000 of them are Messianic Jews meaning Jews that believe that Jesus is the Messiah and their Savior. That's only 2% of the Jewish population. And in Israel itself, in Israel, there's 7 million Jews in Israel, and only 15,000 of those are Messianic Jews that believe in Christ as their Messiah, which is 0.2% of the population. It's just a small remnant. And we're going to learn what God's plan is through chapter 11 for something greater. Now, this first half, we're only going to be going through verse 24, okay? And before we do that, I, I want to talk about something that's hugely important. I mean, I bet you came in this morning and you were wondering about the history of the post-it note, weren't you, right? I know you were. That's why I wanted to talk about it, right? <laughs> the post-it note. You, you'll understand why I'm talking about it in just a minute, okay? I, I found it very interesting this week when I was studying for the message. And, um, 
end, I, I researched the history of the post-it note. Uh, the post-it note um, started back in 1968. There was somebody who worked for 3M. His name was Spencer Silver, and he was trying to create an ultra-strong, like, powerful adhesive for the aircraft um, construction industry. And, and that's what he was working on. And so as he was trying to create this adhesive, this glue, he actually found just the opposite, what seemed like a failure, because the glue that he put together with this polymer was actually a glue that could actually be removed really easily. <laughs> and he's like, okay, this is a different product than I was trying to create, because every time he would pull it off, he'd be like, it just doesn't, it sticks for a little bit, but it doesn't, it's not permanent. Until he realized that actually when he pulled it off of the things he was trying to glue together, it left no adhesive residue. There was no residue afterwards. And he's like, what can we do with this? And so he took it, he took it to 3M, to his bosses, and said, hey, I think we can maybe create a different product for this. And they started brainstorming until the, the higher-up said, there's just no use for this kind of thing. There's no use for this glue. And they kind of just put it aside. But he kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it until they tried to put it on a bulletin board. So put this glue on a bulletin board so they could just stick paper to that bulletin board and pull it off. And, and they tried that, and it, it still didn't fly. It, didn't, it wasn't successful at all. It wasn't until his buddy, who also worked for 3M, by the name of Art Fry. We have a picture of these two guys. Silver, uh, Spencer Silver and Art Fry. Art Fry actually was very active in his church, in his local church, and he sung with the choir, the church choir, and he was having this problem with the hymnal because he would, they would knew what songs they were singing and they would use bookmarks to put those into the hymnal. And every time he would flip the page, he would lose the bookmark or would fall out of his hymnal. And so it continually um, like would be such a frustration. And so Art actually came to Spencer and said, hey, I have an idea. And so these two guys, you can see in this picture, they're holding what was created they decided to try to put this adhesive on the paper instead of putting it on a bulletin board. And so that's what they did. You can, you can go ahead and put that down. Yeah, so that's what they did. Um, and so he started using this, and it worked. It stuck inside the hymnal, but he could peel it off, and it didn't leave any residue, and he can move it around inside the hymnal, and he can find the things. So, so he now had a better idea, and they brought that to the leaders, and it took about three years of trial and error coming up with that product to where they started to see if, if the businesses would buy it, right? They're like, is this a feasible product? It took them seven years more of testing to where it kept failing and kept failing and kept failing. Like, man, we thought this might be a good idea until 1978 when a new boss took over and said, I don't think we're marketing this right. And so what they did is they took the post-it notes and they gave them away. So they, they called it the Boise Blitz because they went to Boise, Idaho, and they just gave all these offices stacks of these new things called post-it notes and said, use them and tell us what you think about them and let us know if you might want to order some. And that's when it all changed because when they did that, they had a 90% reorder rate from all of those offices. And that blew all their minds because that was the highest reorder rate that they had ever seen of any product that 3M had created up until then. And from then on, it's history, right? Post-it notes. We know what post-it notes are, right? Post-it notes let us do all sorts of cool things. Especially like, I mean, 
if we didn't have post-it notes, we couldn't do cool things like this, right? <laughs> like the hacks. I don't know if you've seen like cars done like that. It looks like a pinata at that point. So hit it with a hammer or something. You know? <laughs> or people who do their offices, like you see they leave for vacation and they come back to the office and their whole office is just post-it noted up. Um, that's how creative we are as humans, right? <laughs> Let's take something and just waste it. But So where am I going with this? Why am I talking about the post-it note? Because the post-it note ultimately at the beginning was a failure. It actually came out as a failure because they're trying to create a glue for the aircraft industry and instead created this glue that didn't stick to much, right? And so for us, when we think about it, the air, what the airplane industry didn't get, meaning they didn't get what they wanted, but we all benefited from what came out of it, the post-it note. So this is where I'm going with this, okay? Because this is what Paul starts to talk about in Romans chapter 11 with the Jews. The Jews were given something great, but they rejected it. They didn't think it was for them. And because they rejected what God had given them, we all benefited from it, right? Something that they thought was a failure for us is a success. And I want you to fill this in. This is my fill in the blank as we're going to read this passage. That Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah opened up salvation for us all. Because they rejected, we get it. That's, that's what happened. And that's what we're going to read now in Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 11 together, okay? So Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah opened up salvation for us all. All right. So let's, let's hop into it. We're going to hop into verse 11. If you're with me and you're ready, say, yep. All right. Here we go. So he's continuing in this, in this passage. He says, again, I ask, did they stumble? He's talking about the Jews. Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. He's like, did, did they reject so far that none of the Jews are going to be saved? He's like, no. And he said it earlier. He's like, Paul was a Jew and he saved, right? Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? It's like, so if they rejected the Messiah and we benefit as Gentiles, as not Jews, from that rejection because now salvation has come to us as well that we get invited in if those who were originally connected to the history of the Messiah to the Jews and to, to um, the relationship with God, how much greater it will be for them when they do choose to accept Christ. I am talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. He's like, because the Gentiles are experiencing the promises of God, the gifts of God, the spirit of God, and salvation. Like, he's hoping that the Jews that are seeing this from the outside now will get envious enough to be like, I want in, right? I want to be a part of what God is doing. Verse 15, for if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And he starts to use this illustration of branches. The reality is for us, we, we as Gentiles, as non-Jews, are blessed to receive what 
the majority of the Jews have rejected. And Paul's prayer and desire for his own people is that they would also accept. Because if they were holy to begin with, but they rejected, when they come back and they accept Jesus, how much more holy they will be and how much better we will all be because God is, has invited the Israelites back in and they have chosen to follow and become Christ followers and accept Jesus as their Savior. Okay, now are we all together? Does all that make sense? Their rejection means our acceptance as, uh, as Christ followers. Okay, let's keep going because I want to use our time well. So then he goes to verse 17 and he gives this a word picture because he starts talking about branches, Okay branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. I'm going to stop there for just a couple of minutes to help us understand what he's describing and what he's talking about. He's talking about a a root. I have a a picture of an olive tree. So this is an olive tree, and, uh, and you can see, actually, the top part of that olive tree is fairly new. Those are young branches that have grown out of an old, old stump and root. Let's zoom in on that root there for me. So you see this stump? That is old. It has been there a long, long, long time. Its roots go deep into the ground. This is what he's saying about Israel about our history. This is why we study the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is the story of God's relationship with people, with the Jews. And it's our story, our lineage as Christ followers now, because we have been grafted into that story of God. That original stump, that original root, is that original relationship and promise to Abraham. And so that is representative of the Jews, that, that stump there and the roots that go down. For us, we have been grafted into, meaning we weren't attached to God's story. We weren't attached to that root before we know Christ. But because of what Christ has done for us, we get grafted into the family. We get grafted into the tree that then we start benefiting from the nourishment, from the the roots going out and the sap that flows through that that, uh, trunk now to this new branch that is going to produce new fruit. We have been grafted in. Now, let's go back to that picture, Sean, just for a second. Now, you can see where it's been grafted in, right? That is where a cut has had to be made in that root, and then a cut has had to be made into the new limb, then put together and sealed so that they will then grow together. This is that imagery of what Christ has done for us. That Christ had to be cut for us, right? He was the one that allows us to be um, grafted into the family. His cut, his his sacrifice for us was that grafting in process for the Gentiles, for the lost. And that's what he's done for us. That's what God has done for you and me we now get to be a part of the family and the spiritual history and lineage all the way back to the promises of Abraham and I would say even back to the promises for Adam and Eve. God wants that kind of relationship with us as now we're grafted in. 
He said, so if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, right? You were a wild olive shoot. You were just out there doing your own thing until you get grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive. So it's the old ones that were still attached. Those are the Messianic Jews, the ones that still believed. And the new ones that get uh, grafted in, we are now all a part of that family. He says, do not consider yourself, talking to us Gentiles, to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. He's saying, so, so you might say, well, the ones that rejected, the Jews that rejected the Messiah, that had to happen to make room for me so that I could be accepted. He said, well, be careful be careful. He says, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. That's what separates you from God. It's unbelief. It's lack of faith. And you stand by what? Faith. We're talking a lot about faith in this series, aren't we? That we're not walking in unbelief. We're walking in faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. So you can't consider yourself better than anybody else. Because you're not the one that's holding up or rising up. Like the root is. That's Jesus. He's the one that is. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. He says, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. He's saying the difference between belief and unbelief. Walk in belief. Let your faith lead you. Let you trust that God has done what he's done to save you. If you don't believe and you live in unbelief, you are cut off. You can't be a part. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. So those who are Jews, but they're still unbelieving, they still can be grafted in. God is still calling. We, we read that uh, last, in the last message. His arms are open, but they're open to an obstinate and stubborn people. Like they're hard-hearted, but he's not releasing um, his grip or his arm. Like he wants his hands to continue to be raised out to them and open to them. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature— uh, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? He's saying God still has a purpose for Israel. He still has a purpose for the Jews. His desire is that they will be grafted in. Okay? Now we're going to dig deeper into that as we get to the last part of chapter 11 in a couple of weeks. Okay? But today, I just wanted us to understand what God has done for us. That as Christ followers today, and the majority of us are not Jews. We don't have Jew, Jewish heritage, right? Most of us are Gentiles, meaning we came from outside of the family of God through the roots of Abraham, you know, in our, in our um, family tree. But we have been invited into the story of God back to the history of the Jews, to those promises that we can walk into today. We have been grafted in. Isn't that good news? And I want you to hear Jesus' heart on this, okay? But this is what I want you to hear. This is, I don't have a lot of main points today to fill in the blank, but this is what I want to understand. God accepts anyone 
who will listen and respond to the good news of salvation. Jews or Gentiles, right? Religious, irreligious. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your works are, what your religion looks like. None of that matters. The thing that matters is our belief and faith that God sent his only son for us to die on the cross and that he rose again and that we can be saved through him. That's faith. And we've talked about faith a lot, that we, we breathe in air. We have faith that there's oxygen in this air and our body uses it and we exhale. That takes a faith process. We have that same kind of steady, strong faith that God did what he said he did and that we can be accepted into the family of God when we listen and respond to the good news of salvation. We listen, we hear it, and then we respond. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that we can be saved. This is the heart of God. Now, I, now for you, I don't know what your history is with God. Some of you this morning, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you come from different backgrounds, but some people see God in a way that isn't God. It, just, it doesn't represent his character. Some people see God as an angry boss in heaven, ready just to smite somebody, right? He's just angry, and he can't wait to just take somebody down. Some people see God and, and, um, and think he's just, he's too holy, so there's no way I can be close to him, so why even try? Like, you may have the wrong view of God. I want to read a passage, and you can open to it. I don't have it up on my screen, but it's in the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 14, um, Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. Because I want you to hear the heart of God um, from the words of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you see two types of people that Jesus walked with, right? He walked with the people who, um, who were his disciples. They wanted to be like him, and they wanted to understand him. And, and then he also walked around these religious people, the Pharisees. And typically, he would accept the lost around him. He would have kind words, and he would um, preach to them with love and compassion, but the Pharisees, those that were religious and thought they had it all together, he would usually confront them and actually tell them their future. <laughs> he, would, he would share prophecy. And in this passage here in Luke 14, he responds with a parable. A parable is, is just a story that Jesus uses to make a point and to show us how the kingdom of heaven works. And so in Luke 14, this is the story that he talks about. It says this, Uh, Luke 14, starting verse 16, says, Jesus replied, and then he shares this parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm trying, or or on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So let me stop right there. He is talking to the religious leaders as he's sharing the story. And what they don't realize is he's telling them exactly what Paul is talking about in these chapters 9, 10, 11. He's saying the Jews, the ones who were originally invited to the banquet. They're the ones that have the history, the promises, the story, the lineage of the Messiah. They were invited to the banquet, but all of them had made excuses to not show up, to not be a part. Now, Jesus is going to share God's heart. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see the first that he said to go out and find? He didn't say, so go find other wealthy, rich people of great spiritual influence. That's not what he said. He said, go find those that need to be at the banquet, those that need taken care of. Go out and find them. Verse 22 says, Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told a servant, go out then to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get to taste, uh, get a taste of my banquet. That's, that's a difficult thing to hear if you're a Jew, right? It's like, what? This is God's heart. God's heart is for everyone, anyone who would hear the good news and accept to it, accept it and respond to it, get invited to the banquet. The banquet he's talking about is the final banquet feast with Jesus. It's after God accomplishes everything that he wanted to accomplish. And for us as Christians, we look forward to that capital D day coming. When all of a sudden everything changes and sin is no more, we're, we're then in God's presence forever and he sets everything right the way he designed it to be in the very beginning. We long as Christians for that day, and by faith we know that day will come. And the good news is, on that day, you have a choice if you're going to be at the banquet or have excuses to not be there. It's up to you on your response, right? Let me go back to that that slide. God accepts anyone, and I'm pretty sure you're anyone, who does what? Who listens and then responds to the good news of salvation. It's your choice if you respond to the gift of salvation that God has brought. It's up to you. It's your choice. I want us to take some time to respond. And and in a minute, we're actually going to celebrate some baptisms. Some people who have made this decision and are publicly sharing their story and testimony of what God has done in their life. And I'm excited that we get to celebrate that this morning. It's going to be awesome. But today, maybe you need to celebrate that in your own life and make a decision for yourself. So let's just take some time as we um, process what God may be speaking into your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. First, God, I thank you that you have chosen to not reject us. That your hand isn't out like to push us away, but your hands are open to pull us in. And that you've already done everything for us to be with you and have a relationship with you. And today, I'm praying for those in the room that need a relationship with you today. I just want to challenge us on two things and just stay in an attitude of prayer. I'd ask you to not look up, just just even have your eyes closed and just spend this time with God. Number one is this. I want to talk to the Christians in the room. I want to encourage you on a couple things. One, I want to encourage you, as, as I did last week, are you acting like the servant who's being sent by the master to go out to the streets, to the fields, to the back roads, to invite people into God's house. I asked you last week to pray for one person that you know in your life needs Jesus Christ because they're included in the all, that all may be saved. And start to show them love and start to encourage them and start to share your story with them. I'm going to challenge you to continue to do that over the summer. 
be praying for that one person, whoever that is that God lays on your heart. And, and let God use you to be a part of his story and their life and the invitation to a relationship with God, okay? Number two, I'm talking to the Christians, do not be conceited about your salvation. Don't ever consider you being saved as something to look down on somebody who isn't. And even especially what Paul is talking about, you can't do that with the Jews. You can't look down on them. God is still calling them. And so walk with humility with the salvation you've been given, understanding you did nothing to get it. You didn't earn it. So let's walk humbly in the salvation we've received because it is a great gift. And now I want to talk to those of you who want a relationship with God today. You want to start today? I, I always lead us in a prayer every Sunday, and, and it's, there's no words that I can say that will get you to heaven. It's your own confession. We, we read, you know, in Romans that um, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, you will be saved. That's what it takes. It's belief in your heart and confession from your mouth. So if you believe that Jesus did this for you and God wants a relationship with you wholeheartedly and you confess it right now in this prayer, you can start that relationship with God today. And so let's do that right now. If you want to take that step, you can say this. Say, God, I believe you sent Jesus, your son, to die on the cross to pay for my sins and that he rose again and he's alive today, seated next to you. And I'm asking, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wipe me clean? Would you see me as right before you? I want you to be Lord of my life and lead my life. Give me your peace. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I want to be yours now and forever. And I proclaim this and confess this and believe it in my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Listen, today, if you made any decision, I would encourage you to mark that on your Connect card to put a note on your connect card of a decision you made so we can be praying for you. We can reach out to you and encourage you on that journey. And today we're going to celebrate baptisms. And, uh, and you're going to hear some stories of people who did just that, made that decision. And so, uh, so let's, let's join Pastor Jim and, um, and let's celebrate baptisms together. Amen? All right.